You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 161 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. It's been Gremlin Day, hasn't it? Oh, it has been Gremlin Day. I hope we are, you know, minus the gremlins in this podcast. Goodness me. This is recording. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully it's recording. Let us know, guys, if you can't hear us. (laughs) What have you been doing? What's been happening? So it's supposed to be um, spring here. Yes, yes. In the southern hemisphere. I don't know Mm. what it's like in Sydney, but I was supposed to go out on a shoot today. But, Mm. like, I actually – I think it's almost snowing. Ah. It's that cold. Okay. It's it's like – Ridiculous. It's not what? that cold in Sydney. It's beautiful. Spring has sprung. It's so gorgeous. It's beautiful. And I went out on a boat this morning to do my the practical exam or practical test for my boat license. Of course you did. <laughs> so I, all that's I what to... I thought. What would Valerie be doing today? <laughs> She'd be going for her boat license. Yes, that's right. Right? <laughs> that's, that's right. You guessed right. How'd you go? Yes. Did you have to parallel park the boat? It's sort of, sort of. You don't, yeah, sort of. You had to dock? Did you yes, have to, yes, dock. And, and so how close to the dock are you allowed to get? Well, you're you, allowed to bump right, the park? You, yeah, you're right. You go right next to the dock. But are you allowed to touch? The dock? Yeah. Well, you kind of have to. You kind of bumper, bump Yeah, because it's all, yeah. you know, got mm. – you know, stuff to protect you and that, to protect mm. the boat and the dock. So, um, yeah, it was really interesting and it was just gorgeous uh, to be out on the water and um, I hope to do more of it, obviously. How big was the luxury liner that you were cruising around in today, Val? I wouldn't say it's a luxury liner. Um, it was something like 5.8. Not entirely sure 5.8 what. I'm 5.8 thinking, what? Like the size of a big crocodile? I'm 5.8 meters, meters is like a big crocodile here in Australia. That's a really big crocodile. <laughs> a very big crocodile, but they exist, Val, 5.8. That, that's like okay. the first image that came into my head when you said five-something meters. I'm like, yeah, that's about the size of a big crocodile. Okay. Mm. Right. So for uh, North Americans, it's like 20 feet. <laughs> That's a big boat. Did you – so let me just uh, paint a picture here. Did you wear stripes for the day? No, I did not wear stripes. Did you wear boat shoes? No, I don't have – What were you wearing on your feet? Just my Merrells. Okay, that's suitable for boating. Yes. Well, it was only a test. I wasn't actually going out. No, but you've got to look the part. It's pointless, you know – going on and not looking like a sailor. I guess, but then I'll have to buy some new outfits. I don't have any boat shoes or anything. Oh, you're going to have to go fully deck yourself out now, Val. Well, I don't actually have a boat either, so. You're going to have to fix that problem (laughs) as well because I'm coming up soon and I want to go sailing. So have you got your No, no, no. I'm not going. I don't want to sail. They're motorboats. Oh, I've done so you- sailing and that was fun for that part of my life, but I'm not interested in running around tacking and, you know, pulling so in sails. So you're not going to do – there's not going to be like some America's Cup challenge. This is not the Sydney to Hobart, no. Oh. This is not an America's Cup challenge. Not interested in racing. I just want to loll about loll on about. my boat with some champagne. Right. All right. I don't want to like – yeah – it's too much activity on a sailing boat. I've right, done so, that. No. 
sail down, so motor down then. So if you can do it power, there's no reason why you can't come down to Melbourne and we can maybe go across to, I don't know, Hawaii. Well, the Pacific Ocean probably is a little bit tough for me to tackle anytime soon and I don't think I have a boat that can do it either. Where are you allowed to drive a boat now? Say, what's the correct terminology? What do you do with a boat? I think I can drive a boat most places or anywhere. Are you kidding? Well, (laughs) so could could you drive a boat to Hawaii if you wanted to? Well, I suppose so. I don't see why not. What's going to stop <laughs> you so except you, for you, safety <laughs> and <pirates>? common sense? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not going to take a boat to Hawaii. I'm gonna, I am going to Hawaii, but I'm going to take a plane there. Yeah, but so do you know how to dodge all the stuff that's underwater and read the maps and do all that? Well, the thing, that the part great, of the course? Uh, the great thing about boats these days is that they have the little – little sensor thing and a little screen that tells you, you know, even the size of the fish that are underneath you and, of course, your depth and whether there's reefs what and stuff like that. What if that fell? Well, then you would have to look up a map. And can you read that map? I have done that before. I probably could still because I hired a yacht and sailed around the Sundays. So we had to go and we went from island to island and therefore you have to look at the map to make sure you don't crash into the reefs because there's quite a number of them up there. It's known as the Great Barrier Reef. It's great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so you do work out from the map because you have to know how to get to the next island. Yeah. So if You're I was a survivor, Valerie, I could I probably never do it. <laughs> I never thought I'd have this conversation. So, all right, well, I, I look forward to you buying the big boat. I'm not – I can't afford a big boat, Gina. Or renting one. Yeah, okay, I'll rent one with a whole heap of other people so that it's affordable. Exactly. <laughs> sounds, sounds so this is not actually so you want to be a sailor, is no, it, Val? no. <laughs> No, and if you've tuned in to us and you're new to us, this is actually a podcast on photography. But we must admit, Gina and I, this is an opportunity to catch up with each other and enlighten each other on what's been happening in each other's lives. So this week, I'm on a boat. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. Because we've got a great episode this week. It's how to protect your gear from getting stolen. Now, this is a great episode because it does happen. In fact, a friend of mine, he was overseas and everything of his was stolen, including his camera and stuff like that. Uh, So, and that was a bit difficult because everything was stolen because he'd gone surfing, which meant that his wallet was stolen. So, he didn't even have any money. Not only his wallet, all his clothes were stolen. (laughs) Except for what he was surfing in. Wait, so where did they take it all off the beach? I I guess. Or he, I think he rented a car and all his stuff must have been in in there. And uh, yeah, so he had nothing but the, what he was surfing in. Mm. Hmm. So, the, yes, we'll, 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 got, we'll get on to how to protect your gear from getting stolen because you don't necessarily have to be overseas. You could just be in your local area as well or in your hometown. But before we get on to that, we have a couple of shout-outs. And the first one is to Peter Foote. And Peter is an awesome um, member of the listener community and he recently posted an image of um, – his studio space, which he has created himself, and it's it's looking good. It's looking it's professional. It's amazing. He's converted his garage into a beautiful studio Does space. Does not look like a garage. Looks like a proper studio. It's like a high-end studio. He's got polished mm. boards in there. He's mm. got beautiful um, rack systems for all his stands. It's well thought out. It's beautifully organized and it's amazing. And so now whenever he wants to do a portrait shoot, he no longer has to hire uh, a studio or look for locations. Uh, he, he's got the he's got the space there 
you know, beautifully fitted out. So congratulations, Peter. I think that's a fine effort. I'm very impressed with that studio. I think it's beautiful. Very, very impressed. And also to Jess, who has posted an update in the series that she's been working on that documents farm buildings and farm life in the Midwest, as in the US. These are from Two Farms Photograph last week, and she's posted a bunch of great shots, little snippets of farm life. And they range from, you know, a chicken walking along its pen to some goats to an old barn with really weathered doors and and really rustic looking wood and um, some uh, trees that look like they're in some kind of orchard. Uh, And it's just great because you really get a little peek, a little insight into farm life because what she hasn't done is just had wide expansive vistas Mm. of you know canola or corn or whatever she's actually gone in and captured the little things that some photographers may not even look at may not even consider these are great little i call them little inset shots because as a magazine editor these are the kinds of shots i use as insets as the small pictures with along with the hero pick so they're great it's great to see the listener community and and the way your photos are um you know being created and and developing over the time um of course if you want to join our listener community on facebook it's free to join just search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community on facebook and request to join it'd be great to have you in there and that's where we chat chat to each other uh and also share our photos so let's move on to this week's topic how to protect your gear from getting stolen. So, where do we start on this one, Gina? So, this is something that it's like one of those things that you, I hope, never happens to any of our listeners, but unfortunately, uh, you know, it may. And so, I think it's a good idea to try and be prepared and to try Mm. and uh, do your very best to prevent gear from being stolen because it's it's a huge investment, and and it's not just it's not just the investment of actual the the camera gear, but if, if something's lost, you you have a camera stolen, and you happen to have a shoot the next day. There's always the scramble. There's also the stress of you may have a camera that has a card in it that has precious files, and you lose that, and it's just that also that just that yuck feeling that you you'll experience if you get your stuff um, taken. But there are lots of steps that uh, people can take to um, minimise the risk of getting gear stolen and also what to do, uh, how to protect yourself if it is in fact stolen, how, how to get um, to make sure that you are properly insured just in case that happens. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay. So I think the first way to protect your gear from being stolen is to actually take out a uh, proper insurance and Mm. I know that this can be an extra expense and it's uh, something that uh, a lot of people think well you know I'd prefer to take the risk uh, Mm. you know and they weigh up the cost that way Uh, having as a professional photographer having um, been robbed several times uh, out of studios out of car out of home um, it, it's something that uh, I, I sort of strongly encourage people to have a good insurance policy that covers mm. your gear at the very least have make sure that if you uh, have uh, insurance um, for your home or if you're renting property that you have uh, your um, uh, you know, in, renters insurance as contents well. Insurance. Contents insurance. That's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. That you actually uh, identify camera gear and uh, and uh, let the insurance company know that you. It's called portables, and so you identify that. So it might be uh, there's um, certain parts of the premium which will allow for that sort of stuff, like cameras. Uh, it might be sunglasses or 
phones, laptops, they're all called portable. So it's the stuff that isn't actually bolted into the home, like a television or, or clothes and things like that. They're, they're on the road with you, that you list those individually and uh, make sure that they're also covered. So it might be a matter of just even making a phone call and checking with, because I found out the hard way with a, a phone that I was told I thought it was covered and it got stolen in um, overseas and the travel insurance company wouldn't cover it. But And the home insurance company said, oh, no, it's not covered because it's not actually listed as a portable. So you learn. You learn as you go. Mm. So the other thing you want to do is if it's a home insurance policy is actually check the excess on a claim. So some home insurance policies, what they do is they'll increase the excess that you pay. So if you have to make a claim, uh, the excess will be higher and if you have a higher excess, it means that your premium will be lower. So you'll pay a, a, a smaller annual fee. But if you do make a claim, the excess, which is the amount that you pay before the insurance company does something, is a lot higher. So some uh, home insurance excesses can be, you know, up to $1,500 to $2,000, depending on the area. You might be in an area where it's uh, high theft or, or um, flood damage and things like that. So make sure that uh, you're covered for that and um, also it, sometimes it's not worth having your camera insurance um your camera gear insured in your with your home insurance because if you're even an enthusiast and this is check your policy again but uh, certainly my insurer home insurer states that if you are uh, use your camera to even make a couple of dollars professionally, that camera is no longer covered by home insurance. Mm -hmm. Did you know about that one, Val? No. So that's worth checking. So it may in fact be that if you do have your camera stolen and you try and claim it as through home insurance and they find out that you have been earning money, even if it's like a, a small amount, it's not it's no longer it no longer qualifies under home insurance. So make sure that you uh, check that. So basically, read the policy, ask a lot of questions. Don't just assume that just because the gear is in the home, it's covered by home insurance mm. or, you know, any other clauses. The other thing, if you are a pro, emerging pro, or you are starting to make money from your gear, the gear is the tool of your trade. And I think I think it's really important to have that gear covered, not only um, if it's uh, lost or stolen, but also if it's accidentally damaged. So, uh, the kind of insurance that you can get for gear is you can have it pr protected from theft. Like the, the, it can be covered worldwide. You can have accidental uh, um, breakage cover, and that's like the act. And I asked my insurance company to repeat this several times because I just thought it was funny. That <laughs> there's mm. an act of stupidity. <laughs> I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, well. You're out in the country and you're taking photos and you might put your camera on the top of your car and oh. then you sit down and have a drink and then you drive off and the camera gets smashed. <laughs> That's an act of stupidity. And I'm like, you cover that. They're like, yes, we do. Or, you know, we've known photographers that have the, their camera's been knocked into the, um, you know, into the ocean off, off the edge of a pier because they've sat it too close to the – that's an act of stupidity – covered. So that's called, you know, accidental damage. Or, you know, you've got a light. I've, I've had a light in a studio knocked over by a model who tripped over the cord, but smashed the light, covered under the act of stupidity clause. <laughs> <laughs> that's just bizarre. It is bizarre. Uh, the other thing you might want to have covered if you're a professional photographer is the actual studio. So if you have uh, fitted out a studio like Peter Foote has done now that we talked about earlier in the podcast, the fitting, the fit out of the actual studio, you may want to have covered uh, for things like I've had uh, floods where twice in a row <laughs> where the the um, studio was flooded out and because the fit out was covered. <laughs> We were 
were able to uh, rebuild. And also emergency hire. You want to know that perhaps Ooh. if you're about to do a wedding and, you know, someone lifts all your gear, you're covered to hire that gear again so that you can end, then, you know, shoot the wedding that you've been booked to shoot and you're not sort of left and the bride's left hanging. So that's the – and also covering emergency couriers and things like that. The other thing that's important is public liability. There is a lot of uh, um, shopping centres and public uh, businesses that are now not – uh, make sure that you are they, they are self-insured so they make sure that if you are a contractor coming onto those premises you have to have a minimum of 20 million dollars in public liability insurance and and shopping centers as well so that if you are working on it taking photos for you might be doing advertising or whatever it is that you're shooting if someone falls and hurts themselves uh, on on your set uh, you're, you're covered under your insurance or if you fall and hurt yourself, you make sure that you're covered because they're not going to pay it. Right. Wow. Okay. Right. So, to so much make, to think about. I know. To make your life a lot easier, keep a record of all your gear. I know it's exciting when you get a new lens and it's, you know, uh, if you've got the shoebox system of filing that I have that I just hand the account in a shoebox at the end of the year, like that's all well and good. But like when you buy gear, it's important that you keep a record of all your gear, write down all the serial numbers, keep the receipts, like even just take a photo with your smartphone of the new gear or turn the camera over and take a photo of the serial number. Yes, good idea. Keep the boxes as well. So even if your camera gets stolen, the box is also proof of ownership. Mm. And what um, a lot of insurance companies, like particularly photo insurance companies do is my insurance company asked me to keep a register of all my gear that they have, uh, they hold for me. So as I might change or update gear or buy new gear, all I do is I forward them the receipt and they add that to the to the register of gear. So I always know that they're uh, up to date on all my purchases and that gear is covered because it can be tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gear that we're talking about and even if it is just you know a one or two thousand dollar camera it's still a lot of money and just to save yourself that hassle of having to prove ownership record the serial numbers it's it's really easy now a really uh good little hack is if you do and if you can remember this it's very handy if you do happen to lose your camera or a lens and you don't can't remember the serial number of the camera or the lens open up a photo in Photoshop that was taken with that camera or that lens. And if you uh, go down to uh, file, get info or file mm-hmm. info, it'll open up the XMP of that, um, like the, the data of that image that's actually stored in the file itself. Oh. And guess what? It tells you the serial number of the lens, wow. the actual lens itself and uh, the serial number of the, of the camera. So, if you wow, I didn't know that. If you suspect your flatmate has taken your camera and they're suddenly <laughs> they're posting their images online, you can just uh, download that image, do it, do a, a a check through Photoshop, and you can find out if that is in fact your camera because you can match up the um, the serial numbers. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. How cool is that? Yeah, I had I did not know this. So that's just a good way to uh, track and keep a keep a record of your images. So if you don't want to go through and uh, find all your images and get, find out what the ser- all your cameras and find out what the serial numbers are, just look at your photos and you can sit there and you know in front of the computer without having to pull all the cameras out. Yeah, cool. Okay, great. All right, so you've got the insurance covered. The next one, uh, most important, is uh, prevention. So there's a a few different ways and some of them are more expensive than others. I'll start with more expensive and I'll go work my way down. But like there's this – 
new uh, video security system that's come out. So if you've got a studio or a home and you just want to keep you know, your, an eye on stuff or anyone who's coming to the door or hanging around your place, there is a system called Nest Cam, which are basically little cameras that you mount to the outside of uh outside of your home or your studio mm. and they connect via wi-fi to your or, or i think it's um i think it's through the phone system or wi-fi or uh what's bluetooth to mm. your smartphone mm-hmm. and anywhere in the world you could be like on the other side of the world someone could ring your doorbell and you can look at your phone and see who it is mm-hmm and this is this is uh, the video is uh, streamed twenty four seven, and wow. also it's uh, if you pay a subscription of a few dollars a month, that that footage is all saved. So you've got a record of everyone who is coming and going from your home. Wow, cool! So if someone tries to break in, you've got an idea of of what's happening. Yeah, right. Pretty good, hey? Yeah, I reckon. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of these uh, spyware things coming out, so you can actually – it's a lot easier to follow people, spy on people. There's not, mm. not a lot of um, privacy anymore. Mm. Uh, the other thing uh, is to get really good locks on your doors and security screens just to make it harder for people if they want to break in to break in because mm. basically what it is with thieves who are trying to uh, lift cameras and that sort of thing, they're going to come in and they want cash, they want jewellery and they want cameras and they want to get in and out as quickly as possible. So if you can stall that even a little bit and just make it a little bit harder for people to get in, it's going to buy you some time and maybe uh, save your gear in the end when they give up and go to the next house, which is a bit easier to break into. So consider that and the other thing is maybe a steel box like the boxes that um uh tradies keep their tools in do you know those like the the yes i do those they're really heavy duty ones you might want to consider maybe getting yourself one of those and like putting it in uh, a spare room or even under your bed but actually bolting it to the floor i know it sounds like overkill but it's another thing that like it's like a, a safe that you could put your gear in yes. and just keep it like even if it's the entire camera bag goes in there and then it's padlocked shut and it's something that can't be like jimmied open. It's it's a lot of work for them to get in. Like Again, a gun safe. There's something like that. It just slows down yep. uh, the, 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 the thieves and, and, and gives them less of an opportunity because they're just looking for stuff that they can um, just grab very quickly. Mm. Some stuff if you're out on the street well, or you're Well, before you go on to that, another yeah. tip is, um, and this is just a minor thing, but my uh, partner's brother used to work in insurance and used to do a lot of um, assessing insurance claims and um, have a lot of experience with you know, incidences where people would break into homes. And he said even the simple act of leaving some shoes outside your house, making it look like you've just taken off your shoes uh, at, at when before you've entered the house can be a small deterrent and to, to people. So, you know, it's easy, it's cheap, it's free. Um, so why not do that as well? That's a great idea, Val. Mm, Love yes. it. Yeah. Okay, sorry, what were you going to say when you're out and about? Okay, so when you're out and about, so it might be that you're out doing street photography or you're just outside shooting or you're travelling even, a good idea, and I think I love this tip if you're perhaps going travelling to um, – a less safe country or a, a place that's known for more, uh, you know, theft of cameras yeah. is what thieves are looking for and they've, they've learned to recognise is the fact that uh, flashy, uh, the flashy badges on cameras like, you know, Canon, Nikon, Fuji, all mm. of those things, that's what they're looking for so they can recognise. It's yeah. like walking around, like a friend of mine used to say that I'd be uh, walking around with her as, as we're looking at stuff and she's like, can you go? away it's hard for me to barter when you've got a rolex hanging around your neck so Mm. it's like so having a a cannon around my neck it it looked a a bit flashy and so they do attract a bit of attention Mm. so just getting some tape and covering up the cannon symbols yes 
or the Nikon symbols and making it your camera look a little bit more generic yeah. may be something that um, it will be enough of a, a, a deterrence for thieves. Sure. The other thing yep. you might want to do is actually take less gear. <laughs> yes, I mean, big lenses are a telltale sign that you've, you know, you're some level of photographer and with some level of equipment, right? Well, yeah. So, and so maybe go with a, a smaller lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard for some to do that because it's, you know, it's just nice to have a big lens. <laughs> <laughs> so, but taking less gear because often I know that I've got maybe too much gear and it's hard if you're on your own. If you've, like, especially if you're doing a shoot, you're caught up in the moment. Like, generally, if you're like me, when I shoot, gear gets spread from, you know, one end of the place to the other, and then you try trying to keep an eye on everything. So it's A, it's very difficult to focus on the shoot that you're doing and B, it's likely that it's easy for something to maybe sort of, you know, get lifted at, because you've got so much gear. So, so co- try and keep your system as compact as possible so that it's always stuff that's on you that you don't have to, um, you know, put bags down if you if you don't need to. They just like stay on your body. It's mm. going to be a lot safer. And the system that I really like for shooting outside is the buddy system, Val. <laughs> is that where I stand by the bag while you go off and shoot? <laughs> <laughs> so how many times have you just – can you stay – can you just mind my stuff? I won't be long. I'm just going up here. <laughs> can you just stand here? And yes. then you come back and the, the buddy is usually – steaming because it's hot. <laughs> you said five minutes I know but it was kind of really cool and anyway <laughs> so, so the, the buddy system is a bit analog but it works really well it works very well and it, it generally always works and it's usually the cost uh, is that you know you buy your buddy lunch or a drink or, or something you know mm-hmm. at the end of the day but it, like even if you can uh, pair up with friends and like they're on a shoot, you go out with them and you're the one who's minding the gear and also assisting for them and all of that. I think it's um, a big help. It's a good way to protect your gear and also to get some help so that you can just relax into the shoot and you don't need to worry about losing your gear. Mm. Yeah. All right. So another one is if you're turning up, to a shoot and you may have a car load of gear, it's a good idea because just remember you're focused on the shoot, you're worrying about whether you've got the right lights and how the lighting is. So generally uh, your head's on that. But there's people who are seeing you turn up mm-hmm. and are going, well, what's in here? So I think it's a good idea that to, to think about how you arrive to your location and if you can't park in a – in a location that's off the street or the, but you can safely unpack your car without people seeing you, think about what it is you'll need when you get to the other end and have all that ready. So you might want to have your camera bag on the front seat and any spare gear might be in the back, but it's already covered and tucked away from view. So you jump out with your camera bag and mm. that's it. And it may be that you even disguise your camera bag. I'm very big on, on not having camera bags that say I'm a camera bag so that it, yes. it could be luggage, it could be anything. It's a little bit um, less attractive for thieves. So it's really important that you do keep your gear covered. Yes, I think having some kind of blanket is such a huge thing. And, you know, don't maybe make it a black one or something dark. Don't let it – don't make it obvious that it's – if it's a leery blanket. <laughs> or a big blanket that says Canon or Nikon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> one that they gave you. So, um, the other thing that you – like the – I think the the majority of cameras are stolen from cars, Val. Mm. So it's kind of a good idea to maybe not keep your gear in your car if you can help it. Mm. So um, I think that's important. And but there's also um, some other things. Sorry, Gary's going nuts. So he's found so something in the corner. Gary so I do apologise. Gina's little dog, which is what a, a Shih Tzu. What? Shih Tzu Maltese, Maltese Shih Tzu. That's right. And um, he likes to participate in the podcast, as regular listeners will know. What's Gary up to this week, Gina? 
Well, he's found a um, – so he's getting a friend. Did I tell you? Oh, Tony, I believe. Tony. Tony. <laughs> Tony, the mid-size. So I've got another trip to do for this year, and when mm-hmm. I get back from that, we take him to get the, the Tony. Okay, great. That's just going to sort him out. So it's okay. that I've got two to contend with that, or they oh, can entertain each other. Fantastic. But I've taken inspiration from my friend – Bo Hats is the makeup artist who bought a puppy yes. that turned out to be a horse. Yeah, like it's Gigantor Godzilla. <laughs> it's a little puppy that just sleeps on top of her other dog, but it's like now it's the size of – it's a huge. A horse, yeah. A small horse, for sure. And, Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, so hopefully that will sort him out. So I apologise if you can hear some noise in the background. Um the other thing is uh, when you are shooting on location and your gear is in the car, make sure that when you back up your gear that you keep a hard the hard drive separate from your gear. So what I tend to do is I have one hard drive in my bag that stays with me and yeah. the other hard drive I generally lock into the centre console of my car. Ooh. So in case okay. <laughs> until I get home, just in case like somehow I'm rolled and they take my camera bag, mm. I've still got the hard drives. Yes. You know, so I just got to get those home and then I can kind of like save the job and let the gear go. Yeah, um, yeah. You can also uh, get anti-theft devices for cameras, Val, and there's Ooh. a few around. So Gary Fong, and I'll put a, uh, a link in the show notes, uh, has got one that's um, – And, of course, you can find the show notes at ginamilitia.com. Yep. That's uh, that's quite interesting. It's like a um, a gear guard camera body lock. So that's like for twenty bucks, it it'll lock your um, secure your camera gear and and it attaches to a tripod mount, or you can attach lock your uh, camera to it even to a tabletop mm. or something like that. So. Um, and so, it, or with a cable. So it's a good way. It's just another deter. It's another thing they've got to work through to get that. So um, that's uh, worth checking out. But it's just a really good way to secure. You could tie it to a table if you're in a cafe or something. So someone Ooh. just can't just come and grab it. So I think that's a, a really interesting. I wonder yeah, how that idea. works. Yes. So basically okay. it's a, a part that attaches to the base of your camera and then you've got the cable and you've got mm. a, a TSA approved oh, lock. Oh, I see. And there's a <laughs> hole and then you can yeah, yeah attach it. Yes, okay. Ah, so and then you like it's like you get a bike lock. Yeah. Or, yes. Or, or, yeah, and then and use a – but you're better off uh, getting the TSA-approved locks because then you could actually use that if you're travelling, use right. that when you go on a plane and th- that means that the TSA have the key to those locks uh, okay. and they check the gear and make sure it's all safe but no one else can actually um, get the gear unless they work for the TSA and then they go bad. But that wouldn't happen. So um, the other thing – that is really, really good for if you're traveling because obviously as photographers we are stuck in cars a lot of the time with our gear or you're on location somewhere. But there's some stuff called – there's a steel mesh that actually – system that goes over camera bags so if you're if you've got gear in your car and it's like you know places like rome there's a there's a whole list of the most burgled where where cars are the most burgled in the world like in rome i was warned by the the people that hired the car to me that they're like don't leave your gear in the car that the the people just they'll pop open the boot and take whatever they can get they don't care so and it's like it's rife so what they suggest is you get something something like this uh, PackSafe Exo Mesh, which is like a a, a wire mesh that goes over your bag over your bag in the boot, and it like protects your bag from being like so. Thieves will open the boot and put their hand in and grab what they can, but for them to get 
the camera bag, which is covered in this steel mesh, they're going to have to bring bolt cutters, and they're not they're not mm. counting on that. So it's, that's yes. a, a really really good anti theft device if you're traveling around and you 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 want to keep your gear in the car, like I did, you know, many many times when I when I travel, it's like I'm always nervous about my gear in the in the boot of a car, so that at least I know it's safe. So at the, and 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 a very minimum, get a bike lock and weave it through the camera bag and lock it to part of the boot so that it you know if they and then lock the actual uh backpack zippers as well yes yes yeah that so makes that, sense so that if, if they're going to break in they're going to have to work really hard so a couple of other things that you can do is engrave your name and uh phone number onto your gear now people don't like doing that because of the resale value mm. so maybe tag your gear uh, they also think about getting a car alarm. I don't know how useful they are because they're going off all the time and I think people mostly uh, ignore them. There's also um, – this is designed for tradies who are constantly getting their gear ripped off and that's gear alarms that go in the actual toolkit. Oh. Right? And what it is is – so. What happens is when a tradie's on a job, right, they might have all their tools in, in their big box at one part of the site and then they're up on the roof or it's in the back of their ute. So often they're getting their, their stuff lifted from the back of their ute because they can't be everywhere, right? Mm. So someone's devised this thing called tool guard which basically it sits in the uh, the lip or the lid of your toolbox mm. and then you can set it when you get to the site so that if – at the time, once it's set, if you move that box in any way or it gets disturbed, it'll set off the alarm. Oh, smart. Okay. It is very smart. So that, that's something maybe worth thinking about if you're a, a photographer who's on location and doesn't have the buddy system or mm. you're using your buddy to hold your lights up, which is yeah. probably, you know, the, something that you do as well. This tool guard might work because it's it's it could be enough of a deterrent. Like someone goes, touches your bag, and there'll be a big alarm that, that uh, may stop people from trying to um, – lift your gear at the very least you can see it happen and run after them love it and it's called you can look at it up at toolguard.com but we'll put the link in the show notes of course uh, the other thing is GPS uh, tracking tags now I've looked into these Val I don't think they're that good yet but they mm. will be so right. uh, for, for the reason is that the, it sounds amazing that you can put a little tag on the bottom of your camera or your lens or on your actual yep. camera bag and if it gets taken then all you do is use your phone and you, you'll be able to use GPS to track it. The problem mm. is uh, the battery life isn't that good. They're not that accurate. So if someone takes your camera bag mm. and – goes into a block of flats. Oh, yeah, well, that's may, not very useful. <laughs> but it may lead you to the block of flats, but yes. it's not going to uh, tell you which uh, of the 400 apartments yes. your camera bag might be in. And then a lot of them, like it'll be, oh, it's $29 to have this GPS tag, right? Mm. But then you've got to pay monthly fees of Mm. a month just for us to operate it. And I was looking like, because what I do is I read all the reviews and at the moment the reviews aren't that positive of any of them yet, but it'll get there, I'm sure. Yes. All right. That's good. Uh, All right. So uh, the other thing, keep the TSA approved locks, Mm, uh, very important. Uh, Carry your gear in an old bag. And uh, also, when you're unloading your car, make sure that you park in a busy part of the street that's well lit. Yes. And hide stuff in your car like business cards. Yes, like photographer and all of that. And maybe think twice about, I know it's cool to have personalised number plates, but maybe think twice about having photo on your number plate Mm -hmm. or like the signage on the side of your car that Mm. says photo, you know. (laughs) like It's kind of like a neon size that says, here, look, come in here, have a look. So, you know, I think it's kind of inviting trouble. Uh, So I'd be very wary of that. So um, that's it, Val. Yeah, wow, that's some great tips. I think that um, 
Well, it's just common sense for a, a lot of us, but also it's so easy to think, oh, it's not going to happen to me. And it's so easy to think, oh, I really keep my eye on my gear so, you know, so carefully that I, that it's not going to happen to me. But it, things happen when you least expect, of course, exactly. don't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, so great topic. Yeah, really good topic. I think um, very important for people. It's better to be safe than sorry. Definitely. uh, Yeah. If if anyone's got any other tips that they uh, might have or they have investigated some of these GPS trackers or they know of any other devices, even the locking devices, please do share them in the podcast Facebook group because I I think Mm. we'd all uh, get a lot of value out of that too. We all want to keep an eye out on each other's gear. And one thing, um, a friend of mine, she used to live in – uh, an area in Sydney that was um, not the most desirable area <laughs> and probably an area that break-ins were uh, more common than some other areas. And whenever she left the house, I'm just talking an everyday occurrence, she would simply leave 20 bucks on the dining room table and so that if anyone came in, they would just take the 20 bucks and go. You know, because then they got what they came for. So um, that's, I mean, that may or may not. Has that gone up with inflation? Should it be 50 now? Well, it's probably 50 these days, Mm. yes. Um, But, yeah, she just used to leave some cash on the dining room table and um, whenever they had a break-in, that would be exactly what occurred. They The the people would take the 50 bucks and and go. Do I know this person? uh, No. That's uh, really interesting. So would you leave it in the front, like just in the entry hall, to just to stop them from even going further? I guess so. I don't recall Because what the if layout. they don't go to the dining room, they just well, go I think they, to the I bedroom. think she said dining room because that's probably the entry point that was the easiest okay. um, for her particular house at the time. So, uh, yeah, it's it's as Gita said, it's a matter of prevention, um, but hopefully you also take precautions and to get the right insurance as well. So, what have you got coming up, Gina, before we wrap up in, in Gina world? Well, hopefully if the snow stops in the <laughs> Melbourne summer, I'll be able to get out there and wrap up this shoot. So um, that's me. And uh, what about you, Val? Well, I need to actually, now that I have all my paperwork for my boat license, I actually need to physically go and pay for the little license. So I've got what I need. I, I just need to make it official. You know, I've done all my bits, all my... Uh, Do you get a photo? Tests. Do you get a new photo? Or do I just don't use your driver's know. license? That is a very – I have no experience. idea. I'll, I'll find out very soon. But I had to get my passport photo taken the other day and oh, it's, it's so – Oh, it's not pretty. How's it look? Oh. Did you smile? Well, you're not allowed to smile. No. Did you so do it's... smiles with your eyes? Did you try and do warm I tried eyes? to kind of do tiny little smile where people wouldn't – you know, Did you maybe push your notice. face forward? Did you do all that? No, I didn't. Damn it. Oh, I should have. I should have, you know, I should have just reminded myself of the posing course before I went and done my passport photos and put myself in a contraposto pose. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to do that because I always try. They go, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting ready. They're like, just stand there. And I'm like, all right, hang on, just give me a minute. Give me a minute. And I'm trying to like, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to make my eyes smile. And I'm like, is that is that the camera you're going to use with the little <laughs> – that you can't use that little flash. It's no good. It's like it's not going to – and it's like <laughs> Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Just, and then I'm like, show me. Show, no. Do it again. <laughs> it's like when people send me their books and and sometimes I send back all the typos. <laughs> what? <laughs> Because I can't help myself. So they've sent you the finished book that's been published. Published, yeah. Oh, my God, Valerie. Mm, you just I edit mean. it. Well, only the typos. There are certain sentences that could actually read better, but I don't do those. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> actually, you would probably do that for your when you go for your license if there is a written <laughs> component. You go, actually, this is not correct. But do you the know what? You should be. 
because what happened once, because um, Tim Ferriss, who many people will know, wrote The 4-Hour Workweek and then the bestseller, The 4-Hour Body and so on, uh, it gets released in America and then there's an Australian edition, especially for The 4-Hour Body because that uh, American, you know, it, it, it had a lot of stuff about diet and exercise, so everything was in pounds and we do things in kilos because we're metric. So Random House had to change the book to make it relevant for Australians and convert all of the references to metric, right? And also there's – because it was at the four-hour body, there were lots of tables about different types of foods and proteins and legumes and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I couldn't help myself with the typos. So I sent back uh, to Tim <laughs> not only all the typos, but the publishers had actually transposed things wrongly, so they were classifying certain food groups as proteins that weren't actually proteins. Oh my God. Yeah, so people could have eat, really been putting on a lot of weight in Australia because they were <laughs> potentially eating the wrong thing. <laughs> and... Um, so I, I said that I said, this is, I said this is wrong as well. In addition to your typos, there's you know all of these that have been that transposed wrong in the tables. You know the protein column was in the carbs column or something. All these foods were were wrongly categorised, and um, and I made it all very neat. I put it in red pen because that's what you do when you proofread. Um, and uh, and he was very grateful. In fact, he sent me a gift. So. To, to oh, thank me for the um, a boat for the it was not a boat. I wish it was a boat. <laughs> so I'm like, this is where this is going, and Valerie's going to tell. Yes, Tim bought me a boat. I, <laughs> no, he didn't now we're going sailing. No, I wish. <laughs> I'd be happy for anyone to buy me a boat. Quite frankly. Yeah, sounds like a blog post or another podcast. Buy me a boat. Yeah. Hashtag buy Valor boat. If anyone wants to contribute to this new cause. What's the uh, Patreon set up or what's the GoFundMe page? Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> buy Valor <laughs> Buy boat. Valerie a boat. Imagine if you put that up, what the sort of outrage. <laughs> That's hilarious. Or what if the other side, you actually got one? Oh, that would be funny. A yacht. <laughs> That the Britannia. <laughs> the QE2. I'd be happy for a little runabout that I can go on the water and just loll about. That's all, that's all I want to do. Are you happy with that? I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, ha- I'm, not, I'm not greedy, Gina. just want something that goes and floats. That's, that's all I ask. So a tinny bell. Maybe a bit like so. You are greedy some then. Shade you just and contradicted some yourself. Cushions. Tinny, you can put an umbrella on that. Perhaps bell. a toilet and there's a the desk. edge of the boat. That's what it's for. <laughs> I'm going to do that. That's gross. On that note, where do we find you online, Gina? GinaMilitia.com at GinaMilitia on Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest, and you can also find all my. Uh, YouTube videos at Gina Militia. I think I've got like four different channels because I'm not sure oh, which one I'm going to commit to. Maybe you know you how it is. Tidy. <laughs> I'm, playing, I'm playing the field with YouTube. Oh, four my on the God. Go. Um, do you do YouTube Red? What? YouTube Red. I pay is for that, YouTube Red that, now where there's that, no ads. What, kind of, what no. kind of videos are they, Val? No, it's where you don't, don't get any ads. Oh, it's not. No, it's not naughty YouTube. It's not naughty YouTube. What red? Yeah, YouTube red, and you just pay a monthly subscription, and you uh, you have it ad free. I'm hooked now. It's like Netflix sucked me in, Stan sucked me in, and now YouTube Red sucked me in. I've seen the ads, but I've been like, I thought it was for, um, you know. Naughty videos. No, no, no. No, Anyway, and on that note, you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. Please do feel free to connect with us on Facebook. Join the community on Facebook. Search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community. And you will also find me on my boat. Hashtag (laughs) my Valor boat. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, 
visit GinaMalaysia.com. 